Good Enough would like to wish all our listeners a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend and to remember to social distance if you're into that shit. If not, I don't know, just party or something. Have fun. Uh, But don't be a drag, you know, and don't drink and drive. Or, I mean, if you're going to drink and drive, don't get caught. That's not something I should say. Just don't. um, Be smart. Uh, Love you. Enjoy the episode. It's Heart of a Champion by Nelly, for those of you who uh, (laughs) remember that song. Welcome back to another episode of Good Enough with Stefano Sanzo. I'm your host, Stefano Sanzo. You are my adoring listeners. God fucking damn it, I love you guys. The good few. And we are doing this thing again for the 30th time. Uh, Very proud for the first time ever to say this. Uh, Good Enough is brought to you in part by Organic Hair by Ashley. Organic Hair by Ashley is a full-service hair salon that specializes in organic hair color, uh, curly hair cutting and styling, straight dry cutting, hair repair, seamless hair extensions, and special occasion styling for those events where you need to do a little extra with the do. They use certified organic hair color, which is much more gentle and healthier on your hair than chemical color. No itchy or burning scalp. All the ingredients are handpicked from a small farm in Bologna, Italia, called Ortoficina. That's, you know, me guineaing it up for you guys, because I gotta. Go visit their spacious, odor-free, and very clean salon with two certified organic hairstylists and experience your hair like you never have before, organically. Folks, these people are friends to me, friends of the show. It would mean a hell of a lot for you to go support them. And organic hair solutions are an extreme they're called organic hair by Ashley but just using organic product in your hair is so important the garbage the bleach the heavy metals that are in all of these cheaper uh, solutions to hair problems fuck you up they're not good for you all right your hair is connected to your scalp is connected to your skull is connected to your brain you don't want that shit leaking into your cranium okay not to mention the product that comes out of an organic hair treatment is it's just so natural looking because it's real. You did it for real. You didn't bleach the shit out of it and ruin your hair forever. So, but more importantly, I really want you got to support them. They obviously got hit pretty bad with this COVID thing. Uh, they, they, they need your support and I need you to support them because they are friends. Uh, appointments are filling fast. So call them now to book after June 1st. Uh, mention good enough at the time of booking and you're going to get an extra 10% off your first color service. What's better than that? All right. So mention good enough. Visit their website, organichairbyashley.com and uh, book an appointment with them, with them today. Uh, thanks a lot, Organic Hair. I appreciate it. It's my first ever ad read. You're my first ever sponsors, hopefully of many, so that I could keep on pumping out content. Again, my listeners know <clears throat> that I cover this show out of pocket and I'm not a fucking millionaire. I don't make a lot of money. I never have. Why? Because I'm pursuing entertainment. <laughs> and uh, and we know, uh, I mean, we've listened to plenty of artist paths over the years. Uh, there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of eating a lot of shit because this is a labor of love. Uh, thus far, I've spent a lot of money to put th- put into this podcast what I'm trying to get out of it. And I'm getting these beautiful conversations and, and it's enriching my lives. And, and my, my listeners, though few, the good few, 
um, are loving these episodes and I want to be able to do them more often. And the only way I could do them more often is if I'm not hemorrhaging money and blowing my savings. So, uh, I know sponsors could sometimes take away from the quality of a show. You're like, Oh, well you sold out. Oh, I don't want to hear these ads. They're important, man. They will, this is going to allow me to grow the show and do cooler things with the show, get bigger guests and increase my reach. And I hope you guys are doing that too, as far as just sharing the show and telling some people about it. Uh, honestly, telling one person personally about it that they would really like it is probably more powerful than sharing it on Facebook at this point because we scroll by shit all the time, dude. Like one person that you think is is good few material who will appreciate these interviews, these conversations, whatever uh, whatever perspective I have to offer them and and my my guests. Uh, please just just get some people on this. And again, merch is in the works. Shout out to Lindsay. Lindsay, I'm pretty sure you're listening, uh, hooking me up with her sister on the West Coast who uh, is going to help me out with these shirts. Um, I'm, I'm going to be able to get a decent deal on shirts for you guys. Good enough merch is coming. I know I've been saying it for a fucking thousand years, but, you know, it's more money to spend. But I'm I'm going to do it, and, and hopefully you guys will buy these shirts up, and we'll restock, and maybe we'll come up with some new designs. But it's just going to be the good enough logo on a T-shirt. Nice and classic. I think I love that logo to death. It's my everything. So I, I and I think it represents the show pretty well. So do that. Um. Anyway, what else we got? So I'm back to work. Uh. I had an office job. I lost an office job. I went back to a job that I was at when I started this thing. Um. And I guess this is teaching me that there's uh you know there is more to life than 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 money. Not that I was making a whole bunch of money at the new job that I was at, but the, the job that I lost due to COVID, unfortunately. So some of you guys may have heard I had a new job, immediately lost it because I started the week of quarantine. My luck. But, you know, it happens. I'm not super bummed about it because I went back to a company that uh, I have a good relationship with. And my schedule opened up a lot where I'm able to do more business throughout the day, answer texts, answer emails. And, you know, I'm always working on this show. No matter no matter what, I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, book my next guest, make sure I could get episodes out more often. I think with these sponsors, I'll be able to push out an episode a week again, and maybe even more, you know, two, three episodes a week. Who knows? So uh, thank you guys for your support. Thank, so thankful again uh, to Organic Hair by Ashley. I love you guys. Uh, you'll ever for forever hold a place in my heart, and I hope you guys become fucking billionaires. And maybe good enough helped you a little bit. Uh, moving on to the show. God damn it, have I wanted to get this guy in studio? Um, hard to hard to get him. Uh, Jay Piccarillo. Uh, he's a Bridgeport legend. What isn't he? Bodybuilder. Uh, uh entrepreneur. Uh, semi-pro wrestler. Uh, the philanthropist. My God, he does so much for charities. This Hulk of a man, and his he he's got a heart as as big as his personality. It was a wonder to have him in the studio. I I tr- I'm not I try not to hype things and get all hopeful about things. You know, hope sets an expectation, and expectations are what lead to disappointment. But I had very high hopes for this episode, regardless, and he fucking blew those hopes out of the water. He was even better than I could have hoped. It's inspiring. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's it's heartwarming, and most of all. He could do it without aligning himself to politics. He doesn't talk about politics at all. He just he he's a good, awesome guy for the sake of being a good, awesome guy. It's like we forgot that that's even possible. You don't have to have an agenda tied to just fucking being awesome. And this guy is awesome, man. I I was so glad to have him back uh, here, and I'm 
excited to have him back. He needs to be a show regular because I think you guys are going to want to hear a lot from him. So I'm going to stop rambling, mumbling, bing a bang a boom and get to what may be my favorite episode so far. Episode 30, your guest, Jay Piccarillo. I love you guys so goddamn much. We'll see you soon. Couldn't afford the rights to any songs. So I wrote this one. We're not the best, but we're good enough. Let's start the podcast now. It's good enough. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a complete and honor to be here at 415 How I'm in the studio with the one and only icon and legend himself, <laughs> Stefano. He invited <laughs> me to come down to chat and talk about a lot of things, and I just want to say that it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Hell yes, man. I have been trying to lock you down for a long time. You are a busy, busy guy. First off, just tell my guests who the hell you are, and we'll go from there. I am the one and only infamous Iceman from the Lair in Bridgeport, Connecticut, from the famous <laughs> Michelizzi's Italian Ice and Ice Cream. Everyone in the area has tried <laughs> Michelizzi's, man. It is a it is a well known, delicious product. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping more people support after hearing what an awesome guy you are. But yeah, dude, it's fucking great to have you in here. By the way, yeah, you can swear. I don't know if uh, okay. I don't know if we talked about that beforehand. But uh, hell yeah, dude. So you're a busy guy, really busy right now. Uh, what's what's got you running around, man? What's what, you? Unfortunately, with the circumstances going on with this virus, we had to uh, have a new plan for business. And that new plan now is uh, delivering to people, which I didn't think would work, but I was wrong. We are busy seven days a week, we every adapt. day. We adapt. Yes, we do. Adap I'm like uh, Improvise, adapt, and overcome. But uh, we have to pay the bills. We got to survive, and we can't sit home and 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 uh, weep and and you know cry about it. We got to do something about get it. Get out so there and get, get some shit. We got to hustle. So we're hustling, and we are delivering. We're doing curbside pickups, and we're doing you know the best we can one day at a time. We're hoping and praying. Unfortunately, the events have been canceled this year, but we're going to hope and pray that they they come back at some point, and they will. Awesome. We're being very positive. But in the meantime, we are delivering seven days a week and doing curbside pickups and getting ready for Memorial Day. Awesome. So you are a busy ass dude, but uh, something I ask all my guests, which I'm really curious about you because you have to have some hobbies and, and whatnot. So I ask all my guests, uh, what makes you happy, Jay? Well, first and foremost, my family makes me the most happy. Of course. Okay. When they're healthy and we're all together, and unfortunately, it's been tough lately because we're not all together. We're you know at, at you know distance and yeah, all that's that. Yeah, that's been killer. But that's the number one thing in my life is my family. I really, really love my family, and that makes me very happy. And of course, my friends who I consider family. Right. And now, what about uh, like hobbies, the things that keep you sane? I'm sitting across from you. I, I got I got to segue into this. I've trained alongside you for a couple of years now uh we we attend you know we attending the same gym no longer can go to that gym for now but we're you know it'll be opening up soon but uh first time sitting across from you like this and you're a massive <laughs> massive individual years of lifting clearly years and i've seen the kind of weight that you throw around so like what what is that for you? Because I know I, it keeps me sane. It keeps me from being a crazy person. Well, you know, I had a long run with it. It all started in uh, 1989 when I was a teenager. I was in a, a, a heavy metal band back in the 80s when, uh, called Crossover. We had a good run. We had a three-year run. We put out a demo tape, four songs, and we ran from 87, 1987 to 1991. In the midst of all that, I started going to the gym, the Italian Community Center located on uh, Park Avenue in Bridgeport, and started playing around with some weights. And uh, 
I got the bug, and I just they grew from so, there. So that's you said eighty nine, right? Yes, nineteen eighty nine. At that time, so yep. we're all about our terms now, all about our different schools: CrossFit, strongman, powerlifting. Yep. At the time, was there a term for lifting weights? Were there any trendy thing? I know bodybuilding had had its place, but like well, you were going in the gym and doing what? Basically, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was None just, of us do at first, uh, right? I actually, I remember, I'll never forget this. One of the first times I benched 225, I got stuck with it. I had dumped, there was no one there, and I had dumped the weight. Yeah, did you and have cl- clips? No, no, yeah, no, there was no clips. Remember, on everybody, it. if you're if you're <laughs> just getting into lifting or you're even a seasoned lifter, if you're benching alone, you do not put collars on your bar because that will pin you down and you will die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank yeah, the, God. The weight slide off. I don't think there was any. Uh, they had no pins back then. But right. to answer your question, you know, that's a good question. I wouldn't say bodybuilding, I guess, was big at that time, but there really wasn't anything. There was nothing. Thing to, to label there was no label back you just then. went in the gym and worked and, and, and honestly a lot of people they just went more for the um you know for the fitness like um you know just kind of toning thing i guess you could say yeah like, they call you know, it the, the, the jack lane workouts were big back the jane fonda mm, yeah. you know suzanne summers with all that kind of stuff so it, there was really you know, there, there was bodybuilding there was hardcore bodybuilding there was but nothing like today so right. the answer, so there was no category really and the, the gym was a secondary thing everybody back then was just kind of rock and roll party guys and yeah. uh, no one was really into the gym Some that smoking much smoking cigarettes then. as yes. soon as they left the gym that exactly, sort of game exa- exactly yeah they're all hanging out keg parties hanging out in parking lots that was the 80s thing right so I was really, you know, music was a big deal for me. And I was into heavy metal, you know, Metallica, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, all that 80s metal stuff. Yeah. So I had a good run with my band. We put out a, a demo tape with four songs and it debuted in 1990. So along the way of playing out and being successful in the local music scene, I came across the gym and started lifting weights and got the bug from there. It is a bug. That's such a good way to describe it. Once it really hits you, like... You can mess around with some weights, and I, I understand like it's not your thing. But if it is your thing, it'll be your thing forever. It's never leaving your system. You'll always find a way to get a workout. You'll always find a way to it's, it, that chase that pump. Because the way I describe it to people, your body, uh, you know, it uses endorphins and and different hormones to regulate itself to exactly. make. And once lifting becomes a part of the way that you create these hormones it becomes a bodily function for me lifting weights is the same thing as drinking water it's the same thing i, as I would getting agree 100 i believe the gym is, is probably one of the strongest medications out there absolutely i mean I, when you're you know committed and you, you if it feels great it's healthy for your body and and like you said that euphoric you know a feeling that it releases those endorphins not you know not there's, there's like nothing it. better than that nothing i mean like and, and and after a while you become addicted to it. It's a good addiction, and I think everyone. A good addiction. I like that. That's a, that's a very good point too. You're you could you know we are. I feel like humans are addicts by nature, and everyone's mm-hmm. addicted to something. And it's all about kind of finding healthy addictions, things that you could get you know latched on. Absolutely. Uh, and and yeah, no, the gym has definitely definitely become one for me. I can't wait for them to come back. Now, uh, you the many faces of Jay is something I really <laughs> wanted to bring up on this because I myself I I. The term Renaissance man, you're, it's supposed to be kind of labeled to you. I, you know, I almost label myself it just because of the things I have done, but I absolutely would label you a Renaissance man with all the different things that you have gone through. So if you could, off the top of your head, just fill my listeners in on just some of the phases and some of the accolades that back up those phases, not just things that you were interested in, but like I know you've accomplished certain things within all these different phases you were at. Sure. Well, again, first and foremost, I told you about the band. Um, we, I wrote songs, uh, not lyrics, but the actual music uh, when I was 15 years old back in 1985. 
those songs. What a good time to be 15. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, that's a, and I was in my awesome. backyard. My dad, unfortunately, passed away at a young age. Uh, he was 38 years old when he died in Sorry 1984, and I was 13. So it was a tough time. Mm-hmm. It was a transition in my life going from you know becoming a man and becoming a teenager. Looking for outlets, I'm Looking sure. Looking for outlets. You, know, you feel sad, rebellious. It's a mixture of feelings. Right. So music was that way out. And I, and I, and I, I had a bass guitar that my dad bought for me. And I started playing in my yard. And, and uh, I know, when you walked in, I didn't know you were a musician before this episode. But when you walked in here, you did. Your eyes got uh, grabbed the uh, bass guitar over here. You 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 immediately flocked to it. I could I could see it in your your eyes and your soul. I'm like, oh, that is a musician. All, all the it, different things he is. It makes me feel like I'm back in the studio, which we are in one. And in the studio, we record music. So right. that, that was that kind of registered right away when I'm looking around, and it brought back memories of that. So I wrote these songs at, at the age of 15. And that was in 1985, 14 or 15 at that point. And then in 1989, 90, when the band got together, no, I'm sorry, 88, and we put out the demo, 90, those songs, four years later, I brought to life. Right. And uh, we had a good run. I mean, we uh, were in Fair, we're a local Fairfield County, Connecticut band. We had about a three to four year run. We had a, a hit called True Believer. We had a, it was a demo tape back then. There were cassettes, you know, before, you know, when CDs had first come out. I need to hear all your old music. I'm so, so intrigued by that now. It was like very hardcore speed metal. Like if you like the old Kill 'em All Metallica meets like DRI, oh, yeah. which is like crossover speed metal, mm-hmm. that's the style it was. And it was a big deal. And we loved that music. And we, we brought it to life back then. I want to lift weights to Jay's original song so badly. Well, well we're going to get to that because it's actually that demo tape's being remastered as we speak right now and oh, making, I making a 30-year anniversary return. I cannot yeah. wait. That is incredible. So you got your music into your lifting. What's what's next up in the Jay saga? Well, then uh, basically the lifting went really far. The lifting started is just uh, to look good on stage for girls with, with my long hair playing my bass, and that led to titles. And I started off... Uh, Got into powerlifting, and I won a, a state. Then went out to national and became a, a world champion in powerlifting. God and damn! So, so what kind of numbers were you throwing up back then? At that point in time, which was not, which was considered a lot. Now it's nothing, but of I, course, but yeah, eight hundred and seventy pound squat. I had a, a, almost a six hundred five eighty bench and a seven forty deadlift. Jesus Christ! And, and my total was twenty one fifty, which was a lot of weight back then. Now that's like an average weight for guys who weigh two hundred pounds, but right. You know, g- going along with the, with the technology and, and powerlifting has come down more to mechanics than anything right. else. It's, it's we just threw weight around. Was, the, the equipment was limited, and it was just like straightforward. There was there was no you know bands and chain. There was, but no one was practicing all that West Side stuff that they have now. And the equipment was different. They had, they had just single suits, and there was no really, there was just, there was nothing technical about it. It was just straightforward lifting. Right. If you guys want to learn more about what he just talked about, check out uh, that that Netflix documentary, West Side versus the World. Brings up a lot of those, uh, the band training and all the things that kind of revolutionize lifting today. I don't knock any of the new technology. I don't knock the, I mean, a lot of guys are against it. I think the only thing I do not like is the internet bashing people. You know, it's like, uh, I call them internet bullies. I mean, you know, people talk a lot, you know, but, uh, you know, when, when you get out there and you're on a platform and you, you know, put yourself in a position to, to you know, to um, defend yourself and also see how much you can actually lift and, and put it out there. That's for real. But just, you know, making fun of somebody on the internet and, you know, making derogatory. I just get t- I'm tired of all that. And that oh, just yeah. turns me off. And, and you, you you cannot judge anything by a video. Absolutely not. You so, know? so what, and what, uh, to your point, uh, I noticed anyone who ever has any shit to talk 
uh, whether it's lifting or any accomplishment, it's always a weaker person. I've never, I've or, ne- or it's a person who just never did anything. Never I mean, did anything. Some of these never- guys that talk all oh, of your your squats suck. They never been on a platform, right? I mean, I give a guy who's weak and could squat a hundred pounds. If he gets out there and puts it on the line in front puts of people, little, yeah, a little effort. I, I respect that guy over as someone who could squat a thousand pounds. A thousand there's, there's, percent agree. There's, there's no difference to me as far as the character. And that person who does it, because you want to know why they, they have the you know the balls to get out there and do it. Exactly. So you know, judging by like I was a national judge for you know the the WPO nationals. Uh, WP World. Yeah, I'm sorry, not WPO. It was actually Donnie Thompson's. It was the IPA. IPA. Okay. It was, it was Donnie Thompson. Still very re- prestigious re- today. For for the West Side Barbell, they had a special. Um, competition at York, Pennsylvania, York Barbell. I was a judge for that. And okay, maybe a couple of my calls were off, but uh, you can't judge these lifts by looking at a video. Right. You have to be there. I mean, you know, some are very, you know, obvious that are bad, mm-hmm. but some are questionable. I mean, I've seen squats that look high, but when you're there, it's different. So so for people who aren't completely in the lifting world, there's a certain depth and certain things you have to do for a lift to count. So even if like Let's say I deadlifted 500 pounds in a competition, but I hinged it, like I rested it on my thighs and kept going. And strongman, that's cool. And powerlifting, it has to be one fluid motion, no hinge. Or with squatting, you have to go to a certain depth. I think it's a parallel. Yes, it all depends on the organization. That That organization has to break parallel. Which is the top of the the uh, the hip has to be right. below the top of the the top of the th- the top of the thigh has to break parallel. And, and like any sport, the uh, contention is with the refs is that you know it was an unfair call or everybody saw some a different you know lift and and it ultimately comes down to the judges. The judges are the ones who decide whether it's a, you, there could be an audience of ten thousand people there, but the sure. judges are the ones who tell you what the, if it's a good lift. And or there's not. there's three judges: a two side judge and a, and a head judge. The head judge sees things different than the side judges. I mean, there's, there's been times where which is very often where the head judge gives a green light and in the the uh, or sorry white light and the um, the two side judges give red light so that we don't we don't all see the same thing but uh, when somebody's uh, has a good eye and they're qualified they right. they they should see the right things and ninety mm-hmm. percent if you're really good and you're qualified and certified as a, as a as a judge you're supposed to notice certain things by the book of the organization of what the rules and regulations are right so moving on so so uh, and I and I saw some of your old stage picks man you you did a little bodybuilding as well. Yeah, guy I did actually was Mr. Connecticut in 2000, and I'm the only man in history. I'm in the hall, of, the, the hall of fame for this. Is the only man in Connecticut history to win a national powerlifting title and then become Mr. Connecticut within one year. No one's ever done that before. Now, for the reason for that being, again, not everybody listening to this in the lifting world is that uh, to have a physique that's both like beautiful and bodybuilding stage ready, and then also have the strength to go along with it in that short amount of time. They're two completely different schools of lifting. So to accomplish both within a year is actually insanity. It, it really is. And I'll tell you, you know, people always ask you, which harder? I can't tell you. Because the training with the powerlifting is crazy and the diet for bodybuilding. I mean, they're both very intense. I give bodybuilders a lot of credit. You know, I, I feel like people try to take away from them because it's like a, it's a pretty boy kind of sport. But my God, the work that goes into it. Uh, it's is, a lot of work, and yeah, also, insane. and when you do the powerlifting, I believe the powerlifters that become bodybuilders are better bodybuilders because they have the they build the physiques with the raw uh, uh, movements and the raw strength. Right. You know, you could tell a, a guy who's been bed, deadlifting, bench pressing, and squatting, he'll have a better physique when he diets down than a guy who never you know just uses machines or just you know high rep stuff. There's a big difference in mm-hmm. bodybuilding with that. That's why all the guys like the Ronnie Coleman's, the Yates, and all all those guys train like powerlifters. That's why you notice the difference in their physiques. They're raw and they have that that really rugged grainy look that's from powerlifting right right 
it's a different kind of thing. So moving on from lifting, yep. w- tell me about some of your other crazier phases. I know, uh, I know wrestling is somewhere in the mix. Yep. After the powerlifting and bodybuilding, we got into wrestling and basically never for WWE, but I, I was um, putting together shows for the kids in, in the local community. We would have WWE superstars who had retired or been in the Hall of Fame come as our guest and wrestle in an independent circuit. Uh, most notably, the ECPW, which is East Coast uh, Professional Wrestling, located out of New Jersey. Great group of guys, Gino Caruso is the uh, owner for since the early 90s, and we have we put shows together. Basically, I get sponsors, and we invite all those in need uh, or un- that are unfortunate to come down and enjoy a nice wrestling show with a, a couple WWE Hall of Famers like uh, Brutus Beef, K, Tony Atlas, and um, most notably Jimmy Superfly Snook, who I had the opportunity to wrestle with. That's incredible, yeah, man. It's awesome being his tag team partner. I mean, he was, you know, later in years, it wasn't the same when he was younger, but to have that opportunity for an icon, a guy who I grew up with and I looked up to to be, you know, his tag team partner. Was pretty cool, man. It's like a like a boyhood dream. For That's me. incredible, man. And yeah. and the fact that you made it, uh, it was a local circuit thing, you know, doing something. It was all for kids. No money. I didn't make a, a penny. It wasn't about money. It was, what, it was about just it was raising money for for charities and also bringing smiles to kids and those in need. And that's exactly what we did, and we continued to do. It's, that's a very important thing to value, man. Just putting a few more smiles on faces in the world. And I and I agree. Just like working within the community is so rewarding. Like as badly as I'd love to be a famous comedian, a famous this, a famous that. That. uh doing uh doing like community theater doing comedy shows in my in my state working with local people on my show dude i yeah. love this i love this kind of connection man it's it's important to remember your physical actual community that the thing that you're a part of we we're, we're so uh, obsessed with this global internet you know internet scale things that you know yeah. trying sure. to impress someone on the other side of the country it's like there's people in your own fucking neighborhood in your own hometown right here that, that that's part of you they're 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 those those are the people that i want to connect with and anyone listening not from my area i still appreciate you but like i just find a real value in that man and and you vote and one thing i've always appreciated about you is that you are such a man of your community i mean who does like you're you're you are bridgeport you well, are i appreciate va- that you know basically over the years you know, I, I really like giving back. I went through a transition in my life, you know, years ago, going through a divorce and some personal things, losing some friends and family members that have passed away. So I needed something uh, to get away from all that pain I was in. We all have our demons. We all have personal pain. I was, everybody's got their shit. Sure, everybody's got their shit. Some run to different things they shouldn't, you know, right. uh, casinos, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Like you said, bars. those good addictions. Yeah. yeah. So there's certain things we all run to. What I became addicted to and what I continue to do that makes me feel great and gets me through those days of darkness is doing stuff for my community. And I've been uh, doing it for a long time now. I've become known as like the uh, Walt Disney, Santa Claus, uh, Willy Wonka of Bridgeport. Those are three of the best things in uh, one of the... A very interesting city in the state. Now you... So I feel like it gets a bit pretty bad rep, and I'd like someone who seems to have a pretty decent amount of love for the city of Bridgeport to talk about it a little bit because it's not well regarded by by people in the area and it's not. and people who know of Bridgeport, Connecticut, outside of Connecticut, wouldn't have much. Listen, here's the bottom line: there is a lot of things that happened that were not good or wrong. I'm not going to mention situations or names, but here's where, where I where I come into spoken this. like a true statesman. I love it. <laughs> I come in like this. My father left something that I'm carrying on his legacy. That's the business, the family business. He had a passion. He uh, passed away young and he, he sacrificed his life and worked his ass off for his family. I have the honor to carry on that tradition. It's in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and that's where it's going to stay. That's where Michelizzi's was born. And that's why I continue to stay in Bridgeport and, and, and carry on my dad's legacy. So, Hell um, yeah. 
I mean, listen, I'm not knocking people for moving away. Listen, things change. People want to, you know, get cheaper houses, uh, save money on taxes, whatever. But I chose to stay in Bridgeport and uh, take care of my family and, and run my and uh, carry on my dad's legacy. And that's what I continue to do. So along for the ride of, of the business growing, I've, you know, gotten involved with a lot of things in the city. I mean, uh, all kinds of stuff. Or probably, I'm going to say, over 100 organizations and and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars I helped raise over the last 20 years. I'm real proud of that. And, I, I'm gonna, and I'll continue to do it for as long as possible. It's absolutely something to be proud of, man. Not many people could say that they uh, have done anything for their community, let alone raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. And doing it while being a great guy. Just a great, great person to be around. Uh, I have no agenda. You, know, you don't. I, I, I don't I, have no agenda. I don't want to be a politician, which I could. I've had people want to back me to, to be a, 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 a you know an official. I, I would have vo- no. I would I have, vote on any ballot where your name was not. Any, I don't, I don't want no part because honestly, that's just not who I am. And you can I, also get a lot done as a private citizen. Don't forget. Once you go under the microscope of being a politician, it can actually fuck up what you're doing in the real world. Again, I have a lot of politicians that are friends of mine. I respect them. I, I support their organiz- you know, their their um, fundraisers and stuff, but I don't choose to get involved in as far as me and my life going that route. I answer to no one. I don't uh, belong to any clubs, any gangs. I ride my own horse and do what I want to do. I, I owe nobody nothing. I go to bed with a smile on my face and continue to do <laughs> Not that. Man. I don't owe anybody anything. Hell yeah. And, you know, some I hate to use this word, but f- there's a lot of flashes in the pans out there. And what I mean by that is you yeah, got guys you'll see – that are running strong, they're in the media, they're doing this and that, and they burn themselves out, and they have an agenda. And when they don't get what they want or they turn on their friends or whoever, and I'm not just talking about politicians, but even businessmen, you know, the key, I was taught in an Italian family that I grew up in about respect and loyalty. Mm-hmm. And you get more out of life when you're consistent and you're honest and you respect your your peers, your family, your friends, and those around you. And you have longevity. I want to be around another God, you know, willing another 30, 40 years. I don't want to, you know, go for uh, for the kill in three years and screw people over and just get what I can. It's almost like a, a, like a business guy uh, pricing a job. Instead of giving a break and just making a little bit of money, he goes for the kill to make up for the money he lost. And then after a while, people get pissed off and they hire somebody else. It's just an analogy I'm giving you. Right. But it's a good analogy. So my an analogy is that I like to be, you make a, you know, a little less money, but you treat people with respect and they remember that. And you have longevity in life with everything, whether it be friendship or business. Well, see, you're a man who sees value, not just money, but value. There's some, there's value just because you're not receiving a dollar amount for something you're getting. There is a value to people respecting you, to people wanting to come back, to people having good things to say about you. Absolutely. Sure, you could have made an extra 15 bucks off being an asshole to this one specific right. person. But what you get back may not be money, but you get a, a loyal friend, someone who will have your back when you need someone to have your back. Uh, value, value is everything, man. And, and you, and I'm trying, I'm trying to learn that young where, you know, not get too wrapped up in the dot in the dollar signs, sure. but to get more wrapped up in like, I'd rather just build strong relationship with good people. And listen, I, you know, a lot of businessmen out there, they deny their mistakes. I have no problem admitting when I do something wrong. And I'll tell you what, if someone got a bad batch of ice or, or ice cream and they don't like the way it tasted, I, me, the owner will go to their house that same night, even at midnight and bring them a fresh batch. Jay. To uh, redeem themselves, man. Jay, not to misconstrue what you're saying, but you're the last person I want to see at my house in midnight. <laughs> if you come knocking at my door, well, I'll, I'll leave the bag. I'll call you then from from my cell and leave the bag there. But right, <laughs> that's funny. But my point is, I don't. Some people don't admit. Oh no, like they, they just don't want to admit when they're wrong. Right, no and, humility, and they, and they don't like constructive criticism. When you when you fuck up and you do something wrong, I got no no. Uh, 
I have no reason not to admit when I'm wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? I have, I have no reason, not, you know, to, to, to lie or, or to deny. That's the word, deny it. So I come clean with all that. So when, when something happens where I make a mistake or don't follow up correctly, which we're all human beings, we all make mistakes, we yeah. all fuck up. We do it all the time. I make good with everybody. Right. So no one could ever say that Jay, you know, didn't do the right thing. That's one thing I take pride in is always making things right mm -hmm. with people. Sometimes I got to be the one to make the first call to straighten things out, to make amends with certain things, but I have no problem with that. And, um, you know, I, um, I've i always been that way. I was brought up with, to, again, to get back to the three most important words is respect and loyalty and love. Right. So, so yeah, no, so you seem to operate off a pretty good code of ethics, it seems, uh, just based on your, your childhood, your upbringing, your life experience. Uh, do you have any, how, how should I say, like, principles like mottos things that you that keep you this principled man this man of character are there are there certain mantras or anything you hold on to pieces of advice you've been given before that Just, like keep you who jay sure i mean basically all those who have passed away my dad my grandfather and all the people that i looked up to as a kid there's there's a lot of great people that uh you know it's old school and, and they had those those you know those qualities that we talked about again the loyalty the respect the love i mean i'm not saying that a lot of people don't have that thing but there is a lot of people who don't and I just want to, I, I want to instill this, which I have to my son and, 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 you know, new people that come into my life. And I share this, you know, I'm an, I guess you could say an old school guinea that. Hell came, yeah. You know, say and, it. And old school guinea. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. And, I, and I, and I want to carry on that legacy and that whole old school mentality that I was brought up in as a kid. Right. So old school guinea. Uh, that's, that's another thing we have in common to love to talk about. So are you first generation American? Second 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 generation right yeah. but that stuff it, it runs it runs through the family man like it it you know i i so i'm first generation american i was raised by italian immigrants and it feels like i was raised in italy like it just just the the way what they pushed on to me as far as what is good what is right how, how to operate and it's not what you get fed around here the best way to listen here's the best description go watch rocky four during the scene when drago trains and rocky trains right you watch you, 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 there's a contrast oh you'll, yeah you'll see rocky in, in you know in in the snow with, with with the logs up the hill and then you see drago on the machines with the bright lights and all the doctors around them it's an analogy of you know comparing new nothing not that there's nothing wrong with that new school but i'm i'm the guy with, with carrying the logs up in in the snow Hell yeah. not the guy in the lights and in, in, in with with the with the ten thousand dollar treadmill right well you it's it's back to that uh improvise adapt overcome uh you know when when faced with adversity you you don't complain about you don't complain or you don't try to take these shortcuts you you work with what you got and that's what rocky had he's just i, I just feel that we're really spoiled i mean um you know, we have access to so many things. Our technology is unbelievable, and it's spoiled. We, it's, yeah. and, and basically, it does make people lazy. I think we have some brilliant people out there, probably smarter than than most of the, a lot, a lot not not most, but smart as smart or smarter than a lot of people when I grew up. But they don't apply it because they're just spoiled. A lot of them. You're yeah. right. No, it's it, it's very easy to survive with the things that we have at our fingertips now, and I feel like people are. Uh, Maybe get complacent with that, right. you know? And all social media, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Social media changed my life for the better. It, it made my business uh, unbelievably successful. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. But there are some downside uh, to it. And that's, you know, 
the people just you know arguing about politics, religion, which I never argue about those two things. They're the three and, things and, I ask my guests not to talk about on the show are religion, politics, and sports. Yes, exactly. And I don't read. And honestly, I use Facebook is to have events to bring people together and also to make money. It's made my business successful. What the fuck is better than bringing people together and making money? Right. That's, that's the same thing I do with you know when I produce my comedy shows and and what I'm trying to do. You know, unfortunately, events. Are, as, as we know as two event planners as ourself you obviously more experienced than myself but yeah the, the thing that I love the most about what I do is bringing people together and the fact that I get to make a little money on top of it that's just a cherry on top of the Sunday. but the fact that you know people are smiling people are, are relating to each other people are you know people are sharing an experience together it's so important man that's what it's makes actually, it's less labor for me because when i was younger when i first started with events we had to go to we had to put flyers staple into telephone poles and go into restaurants right. now now you just you post get, on you, Facebook. you have an event page you can invite Pop. as many as you want and then when, right. they, when they limit your your uh um invite list you have somebody else get more people so right. it works so much better um it's done. I mean, basically, all my friends I grew up with that are in business saw what I was doing. A lot of it's visual. They see pictures and they see what you know what you're doing as far as the the product and where it's at, and they they want to they want to become part of that. Like you know the whole thing with um, the Italian ice and ice cream, all the wholesale. Uh, a lot of the accounts of my accounts are on Facebook, and they see what I'm doing, and they you know say they call me up, hey Jay, let's try, let's get the cannoli ice cream here, or let's try you know a drink at Joey C's. They did very successful with that lemon lime uh, margarita. So uh, most of it's from Facebook, and it worked really well, and it continues to work well. Hell so. yeah, yeah, no, no, Facebook is a, a absolutely a a good social media in general is absolutely a good tool for uh, spreading a message, uh, your business, all that. It's, it's becoming it's becoming king at this point it's 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 you know it's it's pretty much the only instagram way to basically for the pictures and facebook for the posts definitely 100 percent. uh twitter didn't do much for me i'm not knocking it but it, do, it didn't really do much for me so mm -hmm. the, uh right now facebook and, and, and uh, instagram are two of the, the powerhouses for me for my business very cool so uh what uh as far as uh this this Italian ice ice cream business. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys like work off? Not that you ever talk about what it is, but like, do you work off like a proprietary recipe or do? Yes, the recipes were actually created in the 1930s by the original owner Sal Michelizzi. And to make a long story short, Sal had four decades in Bridgeport with five different locations. And later on in in his life, probably in his late 70s, early 80s, he and my father became good friends, very very close. My dad worked for the city of Bridgeport for the sanitation department and would get out of work early. He'd go in early around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and get out about 10 or 11. And I'd spend a lot of time with him, go to the movies, Bearsley Park, uh, and all different kinds of stuff back then when, we were, when I was a kid and enjoyed that time when it was short time. So along the way, he became friends with that owner, Sal, and Sal took a liking to my father, and he um, basically my dad started selling the ice cream and Italian ice out of our porch wow. in, in the 70s when he got out of work. That was his start. And it, my and then the uh, uh, owner Sal saw my dad's ambition and his drive and saw and recognized that that he decided he wanted to retire and he sold the business to my dad for whatever the amount of money was back the very small amount and we took over in the late seventies and it's, the rest is history. And what 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 was the idea behind keeping the Michelizzi name? Was that just the branding was already there? You wanted to stick with it? Well, let me ask you this: if uh, a millionaire bought Peppy's Pizza and he changed it to Joe's Pizza. You think that'd be a good idea? It would be a pretty bad idea, okay, Jay. Okay, that answers your question. Interesting. Don't fix something that's not broke. Michelizzi's was the name. It was around 40 years. Why would I change it to, to Piccarello's Ice? I mean, they, you know, people would... <laughs> 
it's just something you don't do. You leave it alone. When something's established and is a landmark and has its name, just like Peppy's, for an example. Right. Okay, I'm not, you're not going to change Peppy's to Donnie's Pizza. Of course not. And honestly, that's another example of almost how, like, how second nature humility is to you. You you just automatically understand. No, I don't. We don't need to have our name on it. Like they, Michaelizzi's is us. We 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 own the brand. It's you know I, you don't need that ego gratification of it being Picarillos. And unfortunately, a lot of people listen. There's nothing wrong with making things better. There's nothing wrong with change. I mean, things. There's a lot of changes in life that I had to adapt to, like you know the internet, social media, which I you know obviously uh, accepted and, and, and made to work to my advantage. But some of those out there. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't use the same formula, and sometimes that could bite you in the ass. Right. So there's certain things in life that you can change, but in this situation, the answer to your question, the original question, is it's a household landmark name in Bridgeport with recipes that came out in the 1930s. We wanted to carry on that tradition and make it bigger. Right. And you said the the change in the internet. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because you've owned a business through the technological revolution that basically happened during my lifetime. And I can't recall all of it. Mm -hmm. Can you recall the time where you started to realize this paper into digital switch where you realize, Oh, I got to catch up with the times. Otherwise I'm going to get, I would say late nineties. Um, and I was, I I was a little behind in my, and even my mother and my family, they're hardcore Italians and old school. She said, she still doesn't use a computer, but, um, I had to watch and take baby steps because you don't want to overwhelm an Italian family no. with too much God, at once no. because, uh, you know, a lot of people... They're very dramatic. They freak out easily. <laughs> and, and, and they have a problem with the change. So, oh, I, had, yeah. you know, out of, out of respect to my family and my mother, I had to make small st- baby steps with this. So, to answer the question, I would say late 90s is when all this... Mid to late 90s when I saw the writings on the wall where this was going. Right. And then and, and then to the 2000s. And then uh, the Facebook, uh, that really changed everything. That was the best thing that ever happened. Uh and I learned to use it to my advantage, and it works very well, and it's changed my life. It really has. Do you, Do you have any advice to uh, some small sm- small business owners now who are maybe considering starting a business or currently going through these crazy changes? I'll share this with you. There's a lot to know, but with, there's a trick that really works for me. Um, when when the Super Bowl, the um, Oscars, the uh, you know all the all the big events on TV, um, the the Academy Awards, the Grammys. I would advise that all of you put a post right before the commercial goes on. As soon as that commercial hits, hit the send button. Because the first thing everyone does during those commercials watching those shows and those programs is they go on their phone. The first thing they will see is that post. Now, if you delay that 30 seconds, and let's say you do it on a second commercial, yes, you'll be seen, but not as prominent as what I'm telling you. It's almost like a paid advertisement done on your on your own. That's such a good... Now, so what this demonstrates is you having a pretty good understanding of human nature. Even though I know that we do that, once you said it out loud is when it clicked, is that, sure. yeah, the first thing that everybody does is, w- before we had phones in our is pocket. take a piss, get a drink of water, and go on their phone. Yeah, maybe <laughs> grab another beer or whatever yeah, it yeah. is. But, but you're I'm r- trying to be healthy with the with the water and stuff. Right, right. No, I mean, uh, but we still have all our... our, yeah, our you, like, you take a piss, you check your phone, and you get a drink. Right. So I make sure that post is ready before that commercial goes on. And everyone's watching the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Oscars, the, whatever. Those are the biggest shows watched. I never consider that. Post of the commercial breaks of the yeah. events. Yes. Obviously. It's, and, it's and obvious if, and, and, if, it, but... and that's the best time to post something and make an announcement. Um, also, believe it or not, holiday mornings, like New Year, okay, late New Year's Eve, let's say at 3 o'clock in the morning, everyone's going to sleep in and no one's working on New Year's Day. So you put that post out, 
when they get up at let's say nine ten o'clock or roll out of bed, they're going to see that post. So a great announcement is actually on a holiday because no one's working. And early in the morning, they're checking their phone. So I would say during those shows um, that I just spoke about, you know, before those shows, getting those posts ready, holidays and for times, definitely morning and between six and nine i would say between seven and nine in the morning are the best time to post lunchtime between 11 and one and between six and nine afternoon doesn't get a lot of play so those are your key t- i think morning is the best because everyone checks their phones in the morning some it's the don't- first thing we do it's become yes. the kind of like uh, when back when people everyone smoked and they would spark a cigarette up in the morning it feels like yes. you, you you turn over and grab your phone yeah so i think the morning time and a good time would be six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning to have that post ready uh, but those are some tricks. I mean, there's a lot of things. And also, you don't want to get too, too um, the best word I can describe to you, with word, you want to get too too many words. Like, you wouldn't want to write a paragraph about something. Just get to the point because people's attention spans are very low. And you want to just. Especially now. You, you got to get your point out there and, and, and make it, uh, you know, make it really pop. Right. And getting into too much detail, you lose people. So. I would have a visual picture that summarizes your plan or your business and also have a great description that's short that will get the people's attention with a lot of de- a lot of you know, a lot of description but not too much detail because you will lose them. And uh, those are those are probably the I mean the, the visual is probably the biggest thing. They want to see okay, what are you talking about, Jay? What are you talking about, Steph? Mm-hmm. They want to know what the fuck you're talking Man, about. I, I you see, know what I'm saying? I see some some businesses post some pretty terrible pictures of their product of and, and, their... and a lot of times you don't know what the fuck people are talking about. Not at all. I'm right. listen, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I'm a pretty smart guy. There's shit that I don't understand that I'm looking at a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get it, you could you could the general the... public doesn't, right? Yeah, I mean people just listen, when you here's here's some more now. I'm an I'm an analogy guy. Yeah, give us okay, give so us some listen, analogies. You're you're sick. What do you do? You go see a doctor. When you go see a doctor, do you ask him to give the you know, do you want a description of the anatomy and all this fucking bullshit that he learned in, in, in doctors, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in medical school? You want to know two things. How do I get better? What do I take? And how much is my bill? Right. Right. So my point is keep things simple because too much detail will kill you. And, and what I mean, people, you lose people that way. The devil's in the details. And people nowadays just have a short attention. Worse than ever. Right. Every, everything's over the top now. So you cannot, you know, if you could get someone's attention longer than five minutes, you're doing pretty fucking. That's like, that's a long time. Five minutes is five hours now. That's five that. minutes is five hours is a damn good point, yeah, man. Yeah, seriously, you're right to get to get someone's attention span for five. Uh, that's five, five hours. Minutes. That's it, like watching. That's like watching the Godfather trilogy now. Yeah, you're right. Seriously, you're absolutely right. Um, it's a lot. And I, listen, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, people go with ADD and just when and not not just that. People that have a lot of things going on don't have the time to fuck around for a long time. You got to get to the. You got to get to the point. Things move quickly you know? now, man. We, you have so you much know? info at your fingertips. It's like maybe it's it's one a lack of attention span. Two, there's so so much access to things to take your attention away from and it's just you know disrespectful and certain when someone knows that you're you have a family and you're busy you have other obligations you got to get to the point and cut to the chase with everything when you, you know you take someone too long you know it, it all depends on the situation maybe of i'm course. going too far with this but i'm just trying to make a point as that you keep it short and sweet you mm-hmm. know and I use this term monsters. I make these little monsters, and these little monsters get people's attention. Then they create things that, that little monsters. Little monsters. I love that. Um, some monsters I've created over the years, like uh, one was very successful. It's called Sauce versus Gravy. We raised a lot of money for St. Jude's Hospital. Big debate: Is it sauce or gravy? Of course, in Italy, it's called sugo. 
Right. But certain Italians like myself grew up that when meat is involved with sauce, it becomes gravy. Now, a mm-hmm. lot of Italians think that's ridiculous. Oh, it's brown. You're, it's turkey. You're, you're put on your turkey, yada, yada, yada. No, we're, we're a sauce family. Okay. Always said sauce. I'm actually a, a gravy guy. Now, sauce, when there's no meat involved, yes, it's sauce. But when there's meat, we call it gravy. So big debate. We blew it up, made a monster out of it, sold out show, 300 people, raised over five grand for St. Jude's. We had all the... Uh, Famous cooks and chefs all over Connecticut involved with it. We had you know judging panel with celebrities. The mayor came down, so I, I take little concepts and instigate and make monsters out of them. I'm really good at it. I enjoy doing that. And it's always good because we have a, a good time. We bring people together and we raise money for those in need. You're, you're so a natural I, promoter, but you're and you're using it for a good cause for the most and part. I love right? instigating too. I mean, it's an instigator for a good cause, though. An instigator for a good cause. I love it. you. Should put that on your business. And I know card. how to. I know how to make. <laughs> I know how to blow things up, and I'll have you up all night thinking and rocking. Like, what the hell is he gonna do next? I literally, I love stirring the pot. Speaking of up all night, that's that's something I was trying to. So it feels like your brain is always working on your next pro- next thing you're you know trying trying next problem you're trying to solve, and it's like do you, does this ever rest? Do you get like do you get sleep? Do you, is there any point where it unfortunately just stops? I do I do need more sleep, but I'm in a manic phase of like a, of, Who is, of yeah. ideas and I, I just, can imagine and I don't stop. And actually, I, I have a couple of things that's, that are kind of strange, I guess, or maybe I have a, a notepad on the kitchen table, and believe it or not. During my dreams, and when I, in the middle of the night, I can, I come up with some of the greatest concepts and ideas, and I'll actually sleepwalk after going to the bathroom and Shut write down those up. and write down those ideas. So I, I well, so, so some of the biggest monsters I've created were during dreams. Yeah, and I would wake up, literally sleepwalking, and put those concepts down on the paper, and and and, and bring it to 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 life. So I, I've I've heard of keeping a dream journal. I've never heard of someone dream uh, of of sleepwalking to it. Usually, people keep a dream journal by their bed so that yeah. when you wake up at a, 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 you only remember a dream for like a first couple of minutes that you're up. But you're actually doing it subconsciously. You're just going and right. So, and I actually be, I I, be, I make dreams become reality. A lot of them, like the stuff that I want to do and dreaming about. A lot of stuff that's practical that I can get whatever I can get away with and make happen, I'll make happen. Well, everything, every single thing. Uh, I actually had an episode uh, and and called it "Everything Is an Idea." I was talking with a kung fu expert, and he he we went into some detail about that. How like everything before it becomes a physical concept in front of you, before it's an event with three hundred people sold out on the news, it just starts in your head. And everything. Listen, the, here's the two very important. That's I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. The numbers got to work. What do I mean by that? The numbers. If you're going to get involved, if there's money involved, okay. What's this going to cost me? Is this event going to cost five thousand, ten thousand? What do I need? Who am I going to get it from? I start off with a theme, a concept. What's this theme? What's what's the whole idea? What's it about? Color schemes, logos. You know, something that has to create a brand or a theme for what you're trying to do. Then you put all the details down. Where am I going to get the money from? Am I, who am I going to call? Sponsors. What am I going to charge for tickets? Raffles. Food. Everything. Write it all down and put it all together. Then you basically look at two sides, the negatives and the positives. If this concept you came up with has more negatives, then either adjust it or, or bag it. That's what I do. Adjust it or bag it. Adjust right, it right. or bag it. And, or, uh, but you have to write it all out and see the big picture before you start making that monster. Right before you start making, yeah, creating that little monster. And I have, I have been very lucky to have some of the greatest people, this team, this this dream team of people, police officers, people from the bank, restaurant owners. Uh, I have a raffle queen, the the named Barb Susie, who's probably done. She she can hold a friggin' seminar at Yale for raffles. I have the greatest people around me to make these events successful. They, uh, I mean. 
they, you know, without them, I, I, I could never do what I'm doing. So it's, it's a team effort. And you have to be open to ideas. It's okay to be the leader. You have to lead and put your foot down and take control. But you also don't want to shut people out and not hear what they have to say. And I've taken concepts. So I'm over the top. And a lot of my stuff, it's like, you know. I can vouch. It's like King Kong on steroids walking 100 feet. I want everything over the top, 3D, you know, in your face. Like WrestleMania, a Kiss concert, a Haunted House, and Ringling Brothers all put together in one. <laughs> I and sometimes I get a, people like on my team have to put the brakes on and say, oh, Jay, it's a great idea. But what about this year? What if you do this? There's consequences when you get too big sometimes. And I get so rambunctious and so excited that I overlook the consequences that could hurt me sometimes. Mm -hmm. So with these great people, they're in my life, they're involved with these events, they put the brakes on Jay the Iceman and say, listen, Jay, we can do this a different way so you don't get hurt, you don't lose money, and you don't upset people. It's, and, it, and I'm man enough to admit that. And, it all and some won't. Right. Some leaders and some people in my position would never t admit taking advice from anybody else, but I do because without me accepting responsibility for my mistakes and listening to my peers, I would not be successful. Hell yeah, man. And it all circles back to why it's so important to build that circle of people. Like, yeah, you might have, there's all these people that you're talking about, all this dream team, all these people work with you. There's probably situations where you, when you guys first met, where you could have made a bunch of money off them, but they never would have talked to you again. You know what I mean? But rather, rather than sure. that, you build a relationship. You build a circle around you, and you help them. They help you. And look how you're talking about them. You I, basically I have, wouldn't exist without. I those have people. repeat business and repeat events. Always, not to brag. Ninety percent of them are sold right, out all the time. It. Ninety because you want to know why people enjoy. I make it enjoyable. Listen, I always, I always say, there's no. Uh, if you know how to play, there's no nothing wrong with tooting your own horn. You know. Well, I'll tell you this too. Here's another analogy. Here we go again. Sometimes people, they um. Best way to describe this to you, they um, focus on the on on mistakes. Let's okay, when you're running an event, nothing is yeah. nothing's going to be 100 percent perfect. Okay, now now, here, now, now, now now here's my here's my analogy. When you go see a Broadway play in New York, okay, you do not see the broken props. You don't see the nope. the actors arguing when they come out. You're in the audience. You're on stage. You don't see that. But certain people and some people, unfortunately, want to expose the mistakes. Live in the moment. And some of the greatest events I've ever done weren't always, you know, written down. Yes, we have a plan, but they're on on the fly. Sometimes shit on the fly you have to do because not everything works out that way. Right. I'm not saying not to have a plan. You have to have an organization. You know, you have to be organized. You got to have a, you know, everything set in stone. Okay. But also be able to think on your but, feet. But also some things by the, the crowd reaction, the mood of the crowd changes in the event. You need to change that. And you can't worry about, oh, shit, well, you know, and just focus on, you know, we fucked up or, you know, the whole, you know, have a negative attitude on it. So my point is, you know, when, when you, be, I become to a point now where I can feel the emotions of a crowd. When I come out and I'm a, I'm a, I'm yes. a speaker, a public speaker, yes. just like you as a comedian. Absolutely. You I might, know. You're speaking my might, language. Some guys might think something's funny. They'll be laughing hysterically, coughing, throwing up, fucking foaming on themselves, where somebody else thinks they don't get the joke. Absolutely. So another analogy. Mm -hmm. my, my, my point is my events, what I'm talking about and addressing a crowd and getting my point across has to be changed or you know, modified if it's not working correctly based on the on the weather, right? The mood. Who knows? Someone could have had an accident, you know, down the street, and, and people are upset about that. You gotta. There's so many things can happen in situations like that, you know. So I 
have a good way, and I've become very good at feeling the emotions of a crowd. And, Absolutely. And, and, and I can make that adjustment. Reading some the room, yeah. And some people don't have that or don't want to, I should say, don't want to accept that and want to stick to the plan. Yeah. The plan has to be changed if necessary. Right. And, and as a positive person, you were explaining how you have this little monster analogy, but these are good monsters. And I think what a lot of people, so many people do wrong is take your logic and apply it to negativity and make a demon. They turn a little problem and yeah, they blow and it up out of proportion the same way that you're blowing up things that are good to make them bigger than life so that everybody is involved. People do it with negative things and it right. ruins their fucking life. I use the term magical memories. I enjoy and I, I'm proud of making magical memories for people. So why would you want to fucking, you know, make some negative, oh, remember, you know, this happened, where, some negative bullshit. I mean, mm -hmm. I want to make a memory like, wow, you know, we did, you know, Jay did this and we had a good time. That's why getting back to the original point of this conversation, these beautiful people that surround me, that help me make be successful and, and help me with my events, I leave them with these magical memories to want to come back and be with the Iceman because the Iceman appreciates, loves, and adores what they do for me. And I always give back and always make them feel special and always show my thanks and gratitude. Absolutely. Now, as much as I'd like to keep you in studio, we're going to start to wrap this thing up because okay. I know you got to get out of here. You're a busy man. Yeah. Uh, I ask all my guests, and this is probably the most excited I've ever been to ask a guest because yeah. I think you're the man for it, but... Uh, so I'm going to keep this podcast around for as long as possible. Even if I'm not even doing it anymore, the episodes, you'll always be able to listen to them. So I'd like to think that you're speaking something into infinity. So if you could speak something into infinity for my, uh, infinity for my audience, something to be remembered by a piece of advice, whatever it is, the Iceman, you're a big person, big personality. What could you leave them with to remember you by what's, what, what do you want? to represent yourself? I just want to say this, that I am the Iceman, Jay Piccarone, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> And my destiny in life and what I will continue doing to the day I take my last breath is to put smiles on faces, help those in need, raise money for organizations that need it. And I enjoy doing that. I am also proud that I am continuing to carry on my father's legacy and my family and my family I love and adore and all my friends. And to all of you out there, I just want to say it was an absolute pleasure over the years if, you, if, you, if I've worked with you or done something with you. It was a complete honor and a joy, and I will continue to serve my community and take care of all those in need. God bless you all. My goodness, dude. Without an ounce of political leaning. Oh, my God. You're, you're, you're the best. Um, do my audience a favor. Let them know where they could find you, your businesses, whatever you're involved in. Plug anything and all things where they could uh, connect with what you're doing. Some of these people may have never, you know, believe it or not, may have never heard of Michelizzi's, but plug sure. it all. I can be found at 712 Madison Avenue, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Michelizzi's. I also own the Brain Freeze Bar, which is the umbrella under Michelizzi's with handles, events, um, trucks and carts and all things for, you know, uh, for parties, graduations, weddings. Unfortunately, we have social distancing now, so that's at a minimum, but we also have deliveries, uh, pies for holidays, all kinds of stuff. You can People come from all over to get those pies, man. Yeah. I've never heard a single pastry raved about more than one of your pies. You can contact me at 203-650-8526 or jai712 at aol.com. That's J-A-Y-I-C-E-712 at aol.com. And last but not least, I want to thank the man, Stefano, who I really respect. I think you're a great young man with a bright future. You're very funny. you got a great personality, and it's a pleasure to be here, and I thank you for that. 
I appreciate that a lot, Jay. If that's all you got, I'll plug my uh, StephaBro93 on Instagram. We did create an Instagram for the podcast. That's Good Enough Podcast, G-O-O-D-N-U-F-F Podcast uh, on Instagram. Please go follow that if you're a listener of the show so you can stay more updated on the show. We are putting out exclusive content for the Instagram. So if you follow, you do get a benefit other than just, you know, even if you listen to the show, you also get some extra content there. Uh, StephaBro93 on Instagram and... And uh, we are working on merch still, so be on the lookout for that. But it's been awesome, Jay. You got it. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing, guys. I didn't even mention Jay Piccarello on Facebook and also Michelizzi's on Facebook as well. I just mentioned my email and my phone number, but obviously on Instagram, I'm under Jay Piccarello, J-A-Y Piccarello, P-I-C-C-I-R-I-L-L-O, both Instagram and Facebook and also Michelizzi's. All right. Give them one bird. Bird! Bird! <laughs> <laughs> And as always, everybody, drink more water and be nicer to each other.